Welcome to the No More Mondays podcast, the show that inspires confident professionals by interviewing people who actually enjoy what they do for work. I'm your host, Angie Callen, and I welcome you to join me each week as I chat with founders, entrepreneurs, and employees who have figured out that special sauce, the magic, the mystery to having No More Mondays. Welcome to this episode of the No More Mondays podcast. We are so excited you decided to join us for this episode entitled The Unselfish Future of Business. Lin Yap has worked with global companies and startups here in the U.S. and abroad to increase brand awareness through marketing, operational excellence, and digital transformation. She is passionate about working with business leaders to create social impact through that innovation and communication. With previous stints at some big names, including Wells Fargo, Estee Lauder, and Adidas, Lynn can now be found running the Active 8 Network, an organization she founded to increase participation of women in technology and entrepreneurship. From a corporate attorney to investment banking, Lynn's curiosity has taken her through an interesting and winding career path to the present that is sure to inspire. And we're going to explore a little bit more about Lynn's past, her present, and her future, which includes the release of a new book today on the No More Mondays podcast. Lynn, I'm so excited to have you. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. You are welcome. So I want to start with the Active 8 piece of your kind of your present. So tell us a little bit more about the business and kind of what it does and why you were inspired to start it. Great question. It's a long story. I'll try and make it as (laughs) short as possible. Um, So I was working with tech startups while I was at Wells Fargo, um, helping them raise public financing and bring their companies to, to market through IPOs. In all my interactions at tech events and startup events, I noticed that there were not so many women working in the tech space or um, in entrepreneurship. As I dug deeper, I thought my hypothesis, my theory is that women filter themselves out from opportunities in tech and entrepreneurship because they were implicitly told um, as uh, when they were younger that these are not careers or opportunities that are for women. And so we filter ourselves out even at a younger younger stage. So Activate Network works with teen girls uh, between the ages of 13 and 15 to basically get them to think that they are bigger than who they see themselves today, that there are so many opportunities out there, whether it's in tech, whether it's in innovation, digital, entrepreneurship, there's so many opportunities out there and they can be more than they see themselves today. And I work with companies who are interested to engage with this community, as well as schools and marginalized communities to increase the participation of women eventually into careers in tech and as well as starting their own companies. This is amazing. Okay, that wasn't as long as I thought it was going to be. It was very well said. And what I love about it is it has that mentorship aspect of Mm -hmm. it. And you're capturing kind of young women and girls before they're even in the market so that they can position themselves to take these career paths instead of 10 years into their career saying, oh, I should have done this. And actually what we do is we also develop future of work skills, if you like. Like for instance, in the current program, they're working with um, the company to develop a new product for the company that's targeted at students at their age. And so what it is, is they also develop communication skills, critical thinking skills, because 
they're going out to the market, creating research. So doing interviews, understanding, okay, what are the biases in the research that I'm doing from these interviews? Is it because of the, the pool of people that I'm, I'm, I'm interviewing and researching and speaking to that is impacting the results that I'm getting? And then they take those results they you know reflect about it uh, and then they they come up with insights and solutions for for the company so not only are they gaining the confidence to see themselves to be to do different things in their future but they are also developing their communication skills presentation skills critical thinking creativity and uh, just learning to work together as well because the other thing i like to do in these programs in these leadership programs is partner the quieter ones with like the really loud personalities and i love the magic that happens because they learn from each other. There is, we can, we all have superpowers that we don't realize sometimes that others don't, that others see. And so in these little groups, they create, there's this community where when the girls work together and they build that collaboration and teamwork skills as well. I think that it's so, what you are doing through Activate is so relevant to where we're at. I think now in society, but even obviously where uh, the market and the kind of the world is moving with technology. But Mm -hmm. in my working with kind of younger people who are more in like their early 20s, let's say, I have really seen a need for critical thinking skills and creativity and better communication, which I think unfortunately got lost from a generational perspective on those ages that were very engaged in like technology from there. So it's ironic that technology kind of impacted them, but now we're going to engage them in it in a different way. So women, adult women are like statistically proven to be more judgmental around what their experience will position them for. So they're less likely to apply for a job because they think Mm -hmm. they're not qualified, less likely to negotiate because they don't think that they have that worth. And so you're instilling really great values before they even are thinking about what to do in college. Also, because I've done this now for multiple years, I'm bringing back the older cohorts to coach and the maturity that they have uh, in the later cohorts to come back and coach the present cohort. It's amazing. And like I mentioned, I also have adult coaches, so adult mentors who uh, are coaching them. So the, the, the current cohort has student coaches as well as adult coaches and sets of coaches are speaking to each other at a peer to peer level. And they are learning from each other because the adult mentors are learning from the older students, how that generation is thinking. And it mm-hmm. opens up your perspective into the possibilities um, that there are we can, from what we can learn from each generation. And so I really like that the ability now to actually bring the older cohorts, the alumni, let's call them the alumni, that might be easier to, 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 to refer to them, and, and, and working together with the adult mentors as well as the student, the current student cohort. So now you have to kind of walk us into how you got here. Okay. Uh, you, have a, you have a really interesting and impressive background that has a lot of what I'm going to call like big, very different things in it from law to more like the marketing kind of stuff to this investments thing. So can you walk us through how that all kind of played out for you in, you know, over the years? Of course. Um, I, I think one of the one of the things that drives me and motivate motivates me is love of learning. I, I just I get a joy from tackling challenges. So to start with, I have a very traditional business background. As you know, I started out as a corporate lawyer. And then from there, you know, I got involved with investment banks when we were doing all these um, capital market transactions. And I thought, 
hmm, this is interesting what they're doing. And so without even knowing finance or accounting, I hustled, basically hustled my way into a job and learn and taught myself corporate finance and accounting at that, at that point in time. And then from there, uh, I got involved, as I mentioned earlier in the show now, uh, working with tech startups and learning about how, how innovation can really impact communities. So I left my investment banking job got into the tech and innovation world. And then while I was um, there, so my last corporate role was at Adidas. My role there was working with startups, partnerships with startups to bring innovations to the consumer and what impact that has. And what some of the topics that I was focused on was sustainability at that time and how we can also help the communities around us. And because I was already doing um, Activate on the weekends and, you know, in my, in my spare time, I thought, well, how about if I challenge myself as the next, as the next step into going into entrepreneurship? I mean, I should walk the talk as well. How about me making this into a sustainable business? So that's when I decided to leave Adidas and then go and do activate full time. It's really interesting. One of the things I like to point out to, to kind of listeners with different guests in the, in the, really interesting backgrounds that come come with you is the is is how it all built on itself in a way and i you did not have a tunnel visioned goal 15 years ago to have uh, a stem mentorship program for teenage girls like we know that and what i find really interesting is this idea of taking two ex- experiences in two let's call them very traditional even if we wanted to say old school environments law and finance and letting that become this platform that evolved into something way more innovative and Adidas springboarded you into really how it all looks today. Yes, exactly. We learn so much, especially if you're thinking or talking to career changers, people who are interested to do something different. There is the opportunity to always take from your previous experience, build on the skill sets that you have, and then take it to where you want to go next. Because we Nothing is ever a loss. Nothing is, uh, we, we can, we can learn so much from every single experience and everyone that we meet. Uh, and so that's kind of how I have shifted from one career or one industry to the next. But you grew up abroad. Where are you originally from? Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. So. Do you think where you grew up impacted that idea of what possibilities were and weren't as far as like future careers? Definitely. Malaysia is a more traditional. Uh, more traditional community. But I had the fortune, my parents sent me abroad, sent me to the UK to study law. And that was the start of my journey of exploration and, and just discovery on my own terms. And so I'm always very grateful for that, although mom and dad <laughs> want to be home. And that gives me a unique perspective. If you've only done the same thing over and over again, there is there is lack of there. Well, there is less innovation when you mm-hmm. you keep doing the same things over and over again. If you've always been in the same box, you'll always be in the same box. And there is a message here for hiring managers and employers of all sorts out there that alternative candidates can really be an amazing asset to your business and its ability to innovate and get really, really creative because you have a perspective that is different than the same box. And I find a lot of times candidates can come up against that kind of obstacle uh, when everybody just wants to hire the unicorn that hits all the dots, but sometimes not hitting the dots is actually 
your value. And I think what, what you were able to do through this progression is almost like leapfrog. So you, you, you know, the corporate law got you in the corporate world and then your MBA in the finance, but finance gave you this exposure to entrepreneurship and startups. And then you, you kind of use one half of your experience to a new, and it just kind of snowballs and evolves. And I, I love people who just kind of look at opportunity as it comes and say, this door could take me here. Let's see what happens. I think that's really awesome. And all of this has led to the book. Yes. The, the altruistic <laughs> capitalist. So let's talk a little bit about this because I want to know how the concept was inspired. And I also almost want you to dig a little bit into, is, is this your first book? It is my first okay. book. I was hoping so, because I almost want you to give us your experience in going through that process, because I am sure that there's more than one person out there who's got either a manuscript in their head or under their bed. So talk to us a little bit about the book and the and the process that got you that got you to actually publish it. Another big story. Um, so the idea of writing a book has been triggered in me a few times over the years. Um, you know, I, I, one of my mentees, in fact, at Adidas had, had mentioned before I was leaving, it's like, hey, maybe you could be a writer. Maybe you could write a book. <laughs> so it's come up in a couple of different ways. And then just before the pandemic last year in February, one of my good friends uh, in New York, she said, hey, you know, you should speak to this publisher. You could write a book. <laughs> <laughs> Funny how those common themes continue to present themselves, and at some point you just can't ignore them. <laughs> right? Yeah. And 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 when that came up, I was like, yeah, you know. But I have so many things going on. I really want to scale, activate. But when lockdown happened uh, and schools shut down, um, there was then space. Uh, it's kind of like some. There was a bigger message saying, all right. Lynn, you need to write this book. I was like, okay, I'm going to write this book. And I, so I started this process. I got in touch with a publisher and the, that's where it started. And what I want to say is it's, it's so much more than just writing. Really, I learned so much more about I learned so much about the writing process, the publishing process, about myself as well, because as a writer, you are exposing yourself to the world. You're leaving yourself naked. You have to have the courage to say, okay, this is, this is, this is me, you know? And, and that book is really a culmination of my interviews with the people I, I, I spoke to. So I spoke to 50, I interviewed 50 odd people and integrating, synthesizing that with my personal experience, my personal work experience, and then coming up with the insights to teach others into creating how people can create business as a force for good. Profit is important. I think that's the, that's a foundation that I am, I have, I, I have from my MBA at Wharton, as well as um, my corporate law experience, that's the foundation of how to build um, businesses. But then the experience and conversations with the other executives, as well as social entrepreneurs, into how we can bring socioeconomic and environmental impact to the communities around us. I think that really is the result then of the altruistic capitalist. For all of time, profit has been the singular focus of the business community. And I think that we're shifting into a time of better awareness. And also, mm -hmm. to some extent, even the millennials drive this because they are are much more kind of socially conscious mm -hmm. of where it's not just about the profit, but it's what does the profit do for the greater good? Yes, exactly. Um, I think so. Yes, the the 
it started out, I think, in the 70s. Um, Milton Friedman had an article published in the New York Times saying um, the responsibility of businesses is is profits, is to is, is to maximize profits. But then that has shifted. In 2019, Business Roundtable came up and said, no, the responsibility of business is actually to all stakeholders. So that's employees, the community, to vendor suppliers, um, to the environment. There are all these other aspects to the business that we need to contribute to. And so um, what has now, I'm, I'm quite excited about this shift because in September of last year, the World Economic Forum then came up with 21 stakeholder capitalism matrix, and that involves gender equality, gender pay gap, governance, how much companies are investing in their local communities in terms of research, how much tax they're paying, uh, and all of this, all of these metrics, they are working with uh, regulatory authorities as well as international accounting standards to make that mandatory in terms of company reporting. And so once it becomes, once these metrics are all standardized across the board, it makes it easier for investors to look at these companies and, 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 and review them on and analyze the companies and businesses on an equivalent basis, which is missing at the moment. So I'm quite excited about this shift um, that is really bringing everyone to thinking more holistically about the business. Because I, I definitely agree with you. Writing, there's a you're exposed and there's that that little bit of a fear of I'm going to put this out there. What's mm -hmm. what is the response going to be, especially with a topic that is, I don't love the word disruptive, but we'll use it, that is disruptive to kind of how we've always looked at things in the you know bigger picture of business. And so in going through that kind of process of vulnerability and actually seeing this project come to life, what like what's your what's the big takeaway or what surprised you through that process? The one thing that really got me started in continuing to write and publish. So I publish on a weekly basis now. The first thing that I did that kind of put it all out there was a LinkedIn post. I said, I am writing this book. It's going to be published on this day. <laughs> I'm making it real. And all you people on LinkedIn are now my accountability for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because yep. that one was on LinkedIn. And I thought, I can't escape for this. Now I have to hit that publish button come April 2021. And that and that happened really. Uh, I, I couldn't. I couldn't back out of it. And because one thing that is very important to me is my word. So once I had it out there, it was a done you were deal. Going for it, and it took about a year. It sounds like it took about a year. Yes. And I, I want to shift gears just a little bit and talk about Lynn, the entrepreneur. So you, I mean, you're definitely juggling quite a few different things between growing this business and being kind of hands-on involved in it in the book. How do you get it all done? So what kind of routines or habits have you embraced that might inspire our listeners to to kind of make a change that will help them? I do have a few that I've um, revised and, and tested and experimented on. But what I think is really important uh, for me is um, meditation and journaling. For me, that grounds me, that puts me in the present. The journaling helps me also to look to the future if I'm going in the right direction, if that's where I want to go. Uh, and, and so that generally, both these habits that I start off my mornings with mm -hmm. helps me stay positive and sets the tone for the entire day. The morning routine is a very trending topic in the entrepreneurship world right now, but it's trending for a reason. Uh, and I agree with you. So there's some good resources out there if you're trying to figure out kind of how to, how to incorporate some of these activities. But the important thing I think is you have to figure out which, what you're going to stick with and 
what's going to, how to design it in a way that works for you. And I agree with you. I find on mornings when I don't sit and kind of have that time to myself, I feel a lot more scattered than on the days when I have taken the time to uh, just give myself a few minutes of calm and reflection and, and getting the thoughts out. Yeah, it's so important to start the day right, for sure. I'm curious how you have time for other things. So <laughs> what rounds you out as a person? What are you up to in your free time when you're not writing books and mentoring future STEM powerhouse women? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's one of the things my friends would say uh, to me is like, "What do you have any spare time or not? But I think what is important um, as well for me is um, having space for movement. I love being in movement so that whether that's going for long walks, hiking, um, uh, running, swimming, I, I just like being in movement. And I think it's important to, again, have that space um, and protect that space for your physical health. Because if you have good physical health, I think that translates to strong mental health and eventually being able to manage and juggle the priorities that, that you have, the things that you need to do. And also the confidence and courage to say, well, actually, no, I can't do this at the moment. And that's okay. I'm moving on. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's the other thing that I actually carve out my time for, to, for my physical health. And that it, takes, it takes stamina to run a business and kind of keep up with all the plates that you have spinning. And I think the, act, the being active in the physical movement is a, an important part to maintaining that, st that stamina. But you said something really quick that I actually loved. And that was the idea of knowing when to say no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's a hard I, lesson. <laughs> I say, it's, probably, it's hard for people like you and I, but I think it makes a huge difference when you have the confidence to say, this isn't right for me right now. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I, like I said, it's, it's been a hard lesson and I've, that has taken me a number of years to, to do that as well. I'm like, okay, sorry. No, I, I would like to help you, but uh, I, I can't at the moment. I think I will be working on that for the, to, until the end of time. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is uh, being letting go, right? Yeah. I think meditation also helps with that. It's like letting go. It's okay. It doesn't have to be perfect. What what is essential to be done? What what gets the job done? And that's and that's what we have to remember at times. And I think that that's an another incredible message for people who are entrepreneurs or want to be entrepreneurs is that if you wait until it's perfect, it'll never happen. Yeah. Exactly. Sometimes you just have to experiment and try and yeah. then figure out and tweak it as you go along. Totally. One of the things that we do on No More Mondays it, to get to know you a little bit better is we play a little game called Rapid Fire. And it's they're not hard. They're easy. And they're never rapid fire, Lynn. <laughs> <laughs> there will be a point of discussion on almost everyone I uh, that, we, that I throw out there. So are you ready? Yes, let's go. All right. Star Trek or Star Wars? Star Wars. Of course. It's a given every single time. Uh, what is your favorite candy? Ooh, um, those sour ones. That Those sour fizzy ones. I don't know if there's a particular oh, name for that. Oh, inter yeah, the like, they're interesting. Like, the fizz, yeah. Sour fizzy snakes. Ooh, I'm a big fan of Sour Patch Kids. When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, I don't think I had a clue. I think I was told that I should be a piano teacher. And so I studied piano for 12 years. <laughs> 
All right. So the next, we know one answer to the following question is the altruistic capitalist. But mm-hmm. give us another great book recommendation. Oh, I like. Um, I do like Adam Grant very much, and his book uh, "Think Again," which I just read, is is quite good. It, it, I, I love. I love meeting people who can change my mind, and his book is about reconsidering your perspectives, like shifting your perspectives. And so, I really like that book. And if you have, if you know anyone who um, has a out there idea, please introduce them to me because I always like to meet people who can like. Whoa! I never thought of that before. <laughs> okay, I love. I just put. I'm going to put that on my book list because that's a new one to me. And what about childhood TV show? What was your favorite TV show as a kid? Let's see. Um, I think I remember watching Care Bears. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I. I don't know why Rapid Fire always has lots of food questions. What's your favorite ice cream flavor? Ooh, um, I had something called cherry pistachio just a few days <gasps> ago, and that oh, might wow. be yeah. Uh, at Torrico in uh, Jersey City. <laughs> so, that sounds, I love pistachio ice cream. It's probably my favorite flavor. Yeah. Yeah. I like pistachio too, but this was cherry and pistachio Ooh. and that was really good. All right. I'm glad I asked that question. And of course, this is a show about Mondays. So we always end rapid fire with asking you, what is the first word that comes to your mind when I say Monday? Opportunity. Where I am right now, I have the freedom and space to create and experiment and so for me the mondays is like all right a new time for a new experiment i mean it's not always completely different from the week before but i synthesize my learnings a right sunday is always my writing day and so i take that time to reflect um and and see like what what's working and what's not and where i still want to continue so Monday is opportunity day. I love it. And also there is a, another little piece of tidbit in there about planning for the week. So Sunday writing, sitting down, reflecting so that you're ready to go at Mondays with a fresh look on opportunity. So I love it. And before we ask for yet another nugget of wisdom from you, Lynn, I would love for you to let our listeners know where they can find you, where they can find your book, how they can learn about Active 8. So where do you live that people could come and learn more about you? Well, people can email me at lynn at altruisticcapitalist.com. Same website, altruisticcapitalist.com. Happy to take questions on Activate. Um, Hit me up for a signed copy of the book um, and and just a general chat, really. Or find me on LinkedIn as well. Lynn Yap, L-Y-N-N-Y-A-P. I love the idea of the signed copy, you guys. Please take advantage of that. Lynn, I love what you're doing as an entrepreneur. I love what you're doing in in kind of the STEM and women's space. You've got a lot of really good things happening. And I'm excited to continue following your journey as you put out more books and as Active 8 Network grows. So this has been so amazing. And before we say goodbye, I would love for you to give our listeners just one last little gold nugget. What's your best piece of advice on what listeners can do to get one step closer to a more enjoyable career? I want to say, be intentional. Whatever it is that you decide for yourself that is important, just be intentional about it because there's so much more enjoyment if you are present in what it is that you're doing at that point in time. I don't even need to add commentary to that because that is excellently, excellent, expertly stated intention and being present because that's where you can be curious and learn and you never know where it would lead. 
So Lynn, this has been an excellent conversation. There's so many pearls of wisdom here. And like I said, I'm excited to continue getting to know you more offline and, and sharing in your journey as you build these exciting pieces of, of the business world that I think are going to have impact. And it is always amazing to hear from people who are enjoying what they do for work and in life and in business. And you're definitely no exception. So thank you so much for being part of the No More Mondays movement. Thank you so much, Angie. For those of you out there listening, I would love, love for you to subscribe to No More Mondays and leave us a five-star rating because it is a huge help as we continue to inspire confident professionals everywhere with great stories like Lynn's. If you'd like to leave us comments, feedback, or drop a guest suggestion, please visit us online at nomoremondays.info. Thanks for listening to this episode of No More Mondays. We hoped you grabbed some great insights to help you improve your professional satisfaction. Please visit us at Apple iTunes and give us a rating so we can continue to offer you awesome interviews and content each week. No More Mondays. New episodes drop every Wednesday. No More Mondays is brought to you by Career Benders Inc. in partnership with executive producer Jane Durkee. For more information about career coaching, resume writing, personal branding, recruiting, and entrepreneurship coaching services, visit our website at careerbenders.com. That's careerbenders, B as in boy, S as in Sam.com. This is your host, Angie Callen, signing off. Until next week, when we chat with another inspired, confident professional.